Michelle. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Better Words. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Caitlin. It's always weird doing this. I know. Sorry. Now that like, we have oh, an intro. Hey, yeah. <laughs> now we, that we have one properly, I forget that we don't have to be like, hi, I'm such and such. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We're, we're just here. We're just living the life, you mm. know? Yeah, living yeah. the dream, as they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what have you been reading? Well, I read a really good book last week, or I finished reading a really good book last week. Yeah. And it was one of those ones that I started in the bath, like, ages ago, because I was like, yeah, I'm just going to pick it up and see. It was an unsolicited review copy of mm-hmm. this, and I got it, like, years ago. And it had just sort of been sitting on my shelf and I kind of only kept it because it was set in the Second World War, which yeah. is like a niche thing yeah, for me. That you I love, love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw Danielle, who on Instagram is at Half Deserted Streets, which is a beautiful handle. Mm. She had spoken about how amazing it was like ages ago. And I just in my head was like, oh, I've got that. Like it just kind like of. I should get around to that at one yeah. point. At some point. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, well, I won't get rid of it because I pass on a lot of books that mm. I don't want. So I was like, oh, I'll just keep it. Anyway, finally got around to reading it. It's so, 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 so bloody beautiful. Like it's just really sweet. It's middle grade. Oh, okay. It's so sweet and like naive, but heartfelt and beautiful and really lovely have you actually like, said what it was called the what war book? that saved my oh, life okay i was like thinking i'm like hang on what book are you even talking <gasps> no, you're about right i didn't <laughs> it's a mystery okay the war that saved my life yes so intriguing title it's it's well this girl basically is um abused by her mom she has mm-hmm. a little brother and she has a club foot but it was never like treated at birth Mm -hmm. and so obviously it develops to be quite bad so that she can't walk she sort of teaches herself to walk though but her mum is very abusive and like that's not a spoiler because it really happens in the first sort of chapter yeah so when all the other children in London are getting evacuated at the start of the war she takes her brother even though her mum wasn't going to evacuate them because she practically doesn't care so she takes her brother and they just sort of meld in with all the other children they just like you blend in yeah yeah Yeah. um and they get placed in this little village and in the care of this woman who says that she doesn't want them she so they're like the last children to get picked probably because of her foot Mm -hmm. and then they have to convince the lady that ends up taking them why she should take them and it's never it's never like explicitly stated, but I'm pretty sure that she was a lesbian and her partner died. So it's never uh-huh. explicitly stated, but it's like very, and, and I think that's, I think it's made clear to the audience, but it's the sort of thing where the like the, the characters don't the know. The character is 11. She's very, very, very sheltered, plus it's World War Two, so mm. it wouldn't have been spoken about necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's dealt with in a really, like, authentic way. Okay. But one where you still know that yeah. she loved someone with and they're gone. today's context, yeah. you know what happened. Yeah. yeah. So it's basically just them learning to live again and being loved and it's really beautiful it's really lovely and because it's 
middle grade as well, it's really easy to read and like it's kind of a chunky book but the print's nice and big. So you can like I raced through it. Once I like I got in a huge chunk in the bath and then I just didn't get time to pick it up and then obviously picked it up again last week and just raced through it mostly in one night because you just get into it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's what I've been reading. That kind of happened to me with my latest read as well. I um, read about 80 pages of We Are Okay by Nina LaCour Mm. on like a Sunday afternoon or something and then, yeah, went through it. The um, the start of actually last week. I haven't read anything since. It's been a been a weird week. Anyway, um, but again, it was a really beautiful story and it's kind of told, it follows, doesn't switch point of view or anything, but it follows two friends, Marin and Mabel, um, and it kind of goes back and forth a bit bet- between the Christmas um, of their first year at college so they've only been like at, it's American so they've only been at college for yeah, a couple of months or something um and the summer before once they'd finished high school so it really yeah that's only like three or four months isn't it mm. yeah four or five maybe yeah between that's the end a- of summer and Christmas yeah I'm trying to do the math anyway so it goes back and forth um Almost alternating chapters, not quite, um, yeah, to, you know, because they're dealing in the present at Christmas, I guess. They're, you know, dealing with somehow their friendship had sort of broke and, like, something had happened and you don't know what happened and you start to learn a bit as it, you know, goes back to the summer before and explores their friendship there. So I really, I love that way of a story being told I don't know if there's a name for it or anything where you kind of follow two timelines chronologically and then by the end of both it all makes sense Mm. type of thing I'm sure sure there's a name for it but I don't know it unfortunately Um, but that sounds amazing that's such a beautiful and interesting like period of your life you'd really like it yeah I am really excited to read it yes that end of high school first year uni Mm -hmm. thing I love that in like books. I wouldn't it's a, want to go back but no. it's such an interesting time to explore yes it is so and I think it's underrepresented like it's definitely getting better yeah but, but it is a bit not, underrepresented yeah. yeah like it has been until now not really explored because you got kind of go from high school to to college or yeah. uni or to like early 20s or, or yeah straight to like job and relationship drama so yeah. I like that the in-between adult, stuff yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Funnily enough, um, the TV show I've been watching is also set sort of in that time, I guess, in your life. Although I think for the teenagers in the series, it's at the end of their first year at college, or the sum. Yeah, like it's in set in the summer, so it's called Red Oaks. Oh. And it's on Amazon Prime, so I think it was on a couple of years ago, but it's actually set in the mid eighties. Cool. So, yes, all like the – so Red Oaks is the name of the show, but it's a country club that like the teenagers, they're like 20 or whatever, that they work at 
and like a few of their parents are members and it you know follows the parents as well which I always love in a teen-ish drama yes um but yeah so it's over the summer I'm about halfway through the first season I think and there's three seasons but it is so so funny I'm really enjoying it and it's amazing I mean it's so 80s so there's you know, all the bad technology, the bad haircuts, <laughs> the lifeguard at the, um, what am I saying? The lifeguard at like the pool <laughs> as like a full on like Baywatch <laughs> swimsuit, you know, like it's, it's great. Oh, that sounds so yeah. good. Yeah. You would actually really like it, I think. <sighs> but yeah, Mon and I have been watching it and it's very funny and very good. I really, really am enjoying it. Ooh. Well, the only other things I've been watching are movies because they Mm. had like a movie sale on Optus Fetch and I got a bunch of new release movies that I missed in the cinema because it's like $50 to get two tickets to go to see a movie. Uh, So we got them for like $3. Yeah, the monopoly of a one cinema town. Yeah, exactly. So and some really good movies that have come out. And I mean like in the last four, five, six months, like we've barely gone to see the movies uh, although I did go see Mary Queen of Scots twice, but that was an it's exception. Fine. That was a special <laughs> exception. I was treating my mum the second time. Anyway, I finally caught up on a bunch of movies and um, two of those. The first one, continuing with the war theme, was the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Oh, I haven't seen that or read <sighs> that, so I have no idea what the title means, but... You read the book when the I movie read the was book. coming out, didn't yes, you? Yes, because I wanted to – I had wanted to for a while and I was like, well, I'm going to read it. And it's that thing where it's written in letters that I can't actually say but I can picture yeah, it in my it's mind. Yeah, it's like epistolary. Oh, my God. I'm like <laughs> totally butchering that. Um, so it's all written through letters. So it's very interesting to see how they would take that and do it in a film. Yes, yeah. It was so beautiful and – I loved it. I love all the characters and I thought it was just beautifully filmed, like quite a, I don't want to say glamorous, but like it's just the movie, like the, sorry, the costumes, everything were just like perfect, spot on, like beautiful 40s tailoring, which I'm sure looks a lot more... um, polished let's say than it yeah, actually it would was. have yeah yeah but it was really really beautiful and some of the scenes were just breathtaking the scene where um there's a bit at the start and it's only like a few minutes where we learn that um Juliet the main character her house was bombed um and but there's this really beautiful scene where she opens a door and the building's just like fallen away like it's just wow it's just really like it's only a few seconds on the screen but it's so powerful Ooh, it's beautiful cool. yeah and um it, the the island is just gorgeous so Guernsey is an island off England and we were watching it and like Jack walked out at one point and was like we have to go here it's really beautiful like <laughs> I want to go here so bad so it was yeah it was just really lovely um story was beautiful I loved the adaptation obviously I'm interested. They haven't actually read much about what other people thought. Mm. I just thought it was a really charming film, really beautiful and sweet, and I loved it. And then the other film I watched, sort of along those lines, but set in 1959, was Ladies in Black. 
Oh, yes. Did so you Australian. see that? Yes, yeah. I did. I did see it. I I thought it was great. Oh, it was brilliant. And so many people had been like, have you seen this yet? It was it's like yeah. one of those underrated films that didn't really get a big release and you know well it did it got a it got a big cinema release but it wasn't it didn't seem to be as huge with the advertising yeah it's sort of an underrated Aussie movie unfortunately why can't we have these big movies I know yeah I know actually um that makes me think I feel so silly for not realizing this before but um, did you listen to the episode of Shameless where they were talking about the Oscars and how much money gets spent on an Oscars bid? I know. I didn't never thought about that before. And it's... I was like, this is bullshit. I know. It's, it's rigged. Crap. It's it all is. rigged. It is. That was... I was so shocked because I was like, I actually thought that it meant something. I know. But it doesn't. Well, because the other thing I... I could I'm probably completely wrong about how this actually works. So I don't know who like the academy is or was maybe when it started or like who like who counts as the academy because what I thought is that once you win an Oscar, you're in the academy and you can vote. Oh. No. I maybe that maybe no. I just completely made that up and that's not a thing. But I thought you I could, like, know. once you've won an Oscar, I thought you could, like, vote and you were, like, oh. in the Academy. Well, I don't yeah, know why I, I know. think that. I'm just very disappointed. Anyway, this is why a film like Ladies in Black or, you know, Red Dog, which was also amazing, um, <laughs> will never be an Oscar winner because they're Australian movies that don't have the money mm. to mount these huge campaigns like there was that one for they were saying Roma where they spent like more money on the campaign for the Oscar than they did making the film. Yeah. And that one oh, I kind of get though cuz like could you imagine what would have happened if a Netflix movie won best picture? Yeah, like, like that, that, that would, be would have been but like in I mean my it opinion, already made history because it's like a still a streaming service movie yeah. that won Oscars. It did win some, I just don't remember which ones they were. But I mean, if you've got to buy that, is it really that good? It's yeah, just I know. the amount of money you throw behind it. That just diminishes it all for me. I'm over it. It really I'm does. Sick of it. I'm done. I know. Well I didn't <laughs> Not I that mean, I was into it in the first, but like I just pff, whatever. Like yeah. if that's the way that you've got to do it. Anyway, my point being that Ladies in Black was fabulous. It was so beautiful. Mm. Like, it's just a really delicate story of these women, the Ladies in Black. Like, it's just so if people aren't familiar with it, the Ladies in Black are the shop girls, I guess you'd say. Yeah, they worked at um, like the big, big fancy department store um, in Mm. the middle of Sydney. Yeah, so they come to work in their normal dresses. They get dressed in their black... In their black dresses. dresses. And um, it, it starts when a new girl, Lisa, starts. And it's yeah, just the tale Yeah, she's working of, there over, like, the school holidays or whatever. Yeah. So she's, like, the youngest Between one. when she finishes high school and she's done the leaving certificate, which is really rare because back then a lot of girls didn't... They just worked until they were married. They didn't go to university and they didn't finish high school um so it's basically yeah it's basically four women um four of these girls the the way that their lives intertwine and different things and 
oh, I just loved it. It was, it's a real slice of Australian life back then. Mm. And I think it seems quite accurate too. Yeah. I mean, I would love to read the book now. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, I don't know, I guess how true to it, it is, but I mean, you know, like the, the four women, there's like the younger one, um, an immigrant who works in the department store mm-hmm. um, and two women who I think would be around the same age, but one of them is married and one of them is single. And desperately trying to. She is trying Because to she's get like on the shelf at, she's probably what, like 27 or something. Yeah, she's like yeah. getting a bit too old to be married. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's God a spinster. Yeah, I know. Oh. She's that close to being but, an old maid. You know, it's Rachel Taylor, so she's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't want this lecherous guy, you know, she goes on a couple of dates and you see them and the guys are just like, yeah. Ugh. like she could have settled, but she wasn't settling. So, but she still really wants to get married. Yeah. And Ryan Core is also in it, who I just love. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Back oh. in the silver sun and blue water high days. And sleepover club. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sleepover club. Love him. Oh, I remember gosh. even when he showed up on Pack to the Rafters. And oh I was gosh. like, <gasps> I loved Pack to the Rafters. Yeah. I've watched every scene. It really went downhill right at the end. But yeah. Oh, when Zoe I, died on Pack to the Rafters. I only watched the first two, I think. Oh, okay. You probably missed the bit where Zoe died. That Who, was sad. I don't remember. Anyway. <laughs> ben, the other son, got married. Anyway, then his wife died in this car crash. It was really sad. I feel like I remember that, but I might be thinking of another TV show. What, like Offspring? No. <gasps> Patrick. No. Never. It was oh. like that, though. It was like... House Husbands. I think oh, I think House Husbands. Husbands. Like, I'm pretty, I remember I'm pretty House... sure one of them died in House Husbands. I remember when House Husbands was coming out and I was like, you feel like this is just another version of Pack to the Rafters? It like, 100% mm, was. Mm. It basically was. Yeah. The way that they made My Kitchen Rules after they were like, ooh, MasterChef looks successful. Yeah, Let's I know. do that. And uh, House Rules after, after the block. The block. Yeah. Although I'll still, ra- I'll still rather watch House Rules. Yeah. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. It feels like it's a bit more like battlery because like you don't. Well, the block is the block is so successful now that they're selling three million dollar apartments in Melbourne. You know, like it's and like it's not it's not home renos anymore. No, it's like it's it's not achievable. It's not even in the realm of like dreaming of it because you know you would never be able to afford that. Like the only sixty thousand dollar bathrooms. Yeah, like the only people who are buying that are like literally Dave Hughes bought one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say the only people who are buying it are international investors. Yeah, exactly. You know, no no person our age. No, like, real person is yeah, buying no Yeah, no real person except Dave except Hughes. Except Dave Hughes. <laughs> anyway, uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to say? Sorry, I hijacked the conversation. Oh, the only other thing I was going to quickly mention is the Jonas Brothers are back together <laughs> and they released a new song and, like, all of their, like, wives and fiancé or girlfriend, I'm not actually sure if Joe and Sophie are engaged, but mm. all three of, like, the the Jonas sisters or whatever people have been calling <laughs> them um, were in the video and it was so good. It was <sighs> great. Actually, you know what I found out the other day? Mm-hmm. The Lonely Island are on tour now. So that's... Oh, my God. <laughs> that's Andy Samberg's band. Yeah. And I, like, texted Jack and I was like, oh, my God, we need to go. <laughs> like, I would love to see them live. Are they coming to Australia? No, I don't think so. Oh, but my I was, God. Well, I selfishly was like, oh, do you reckon they'll come to the UK? Because <laughs> you know they'll yeah. go to London before they come to Australia. Yeah, probably. Um, oh, 
everyone on Better Words who doesn't know me personally, Jack and I finally got our visas approved. So we're definitely going overseas on the 23rd of May. So that's exciting. Wow. But we we hope that we will still be doing – whoops, hit something there. Um, We hope we will still be doing this podcast with you. We – as we of are. right now, we plan to continue. <laughs> we plan to. Um, and I don't see what – I don't think anything would stop that. Well, I don't know what would um, no. deter that plan. But No, we do We do have solid plans to, depending on how many things we can get lined up in advance, though there may potentially – the only thing would be a little interruption when I'm actually moving. Yeah. But other than that, we plan to have some really cool interviews and stuff this year. And, um, yeah, yeah, we have some we have some really good ones coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah, even coming up in thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, enjoy. This week, we're delighted to welcome someone who knows popular culture inside out. She's spent years working at Girlfriend magazine, including the infamous Sealed section, which we all snuck a look at, (laughs) and was one of the founding team for BuzzFeed Australia. Her debut novel, What I Like About Me, is in stores now. Welcome, Jenna Guillaume. Hi, guys. Hi. Welcome to Better Words. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. Happy to be here. We loved this book. Loved it so much. (laughs) We both read it in like a day and a half. Yeah. That, I yeah. Think. Oh, thank you. That's so lovely. I read most of it in the bath, like just let my bath go cold, and I was like a shriveled little prune because I was like, I have to know what happens. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with Maisie then. Um, she's such a wonderful and honest character, and I'm sure so many readers have already told you how much they love her. With many more to come. Um, so why did you want to tell her story? Ah. Uh, that's a good question. I basically wanted to tell her story because I just, I wanted to have a story where a plus size protagonist goes on a journey towards loving herself and becomes happy without having to lose weight um, Mm -hmm. and without having to change anything about herself except perhaps the way she views herself. And yeah, and as I started writing, I guess I really wanted a bit of romance in there as well because I wanted to show that she was still very desirable and um, attractive, even, you know, without having to change anything about herself. So yeah, that's why she became the protagonist. I love that so much. And like, it's exactly the reason so many people have fallen in love with Willow Dean and Dumpling is, you know, she's just so relatable and, you know, I hate that word, but I think so many of us struggle with our body image and accepting ourselves. Yeah. And And it's it's why characters, you know, like Willa Dean and Maisie are so wonderful and so popular. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned Dublin actually because um, I was actually in the middle of writing what I like about me when I actually heard about Dumpling and I did have a bit of a panic at the time because um, it's obviously got a similar presence premise of a plus size protagonist who enters a beauty pageant Mm -hmm. um and I was worried you know I was not that I don't want more of those stories out in the world but I was worried that it would affect uh the ability to get my story published because I I was worried that people might think that I was um kind of just 
copying that or that kind of thing. But I realized I, I had a friend actually read Dumplin' because I was like, I'm not going to read it because I don't want to be influenced. Yeah, and I had, yeah. I, yeah, I had a friend read it and she read what I like about me and she's like, no, don't worry, they're totally different. So, um, you know, there's, there's I, the more plus-size protagonists, the better in my opinion. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, exactly. It's not yeah. just one story, it's everyone. And I hate exactly. it when, when you like, because you've been part of the book blogging community as well. It's hard when you say, if you like this book, then you'll like that book. Um, but it is a good comparison to let people know if they did like Dumplin', oh, they definitely. are going to love Maisie and what I yeah. like about me. It's And, you know, especially yeah. for Aussies, like if they've oh, seen. It's so good. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, obviously, because this one's Aussie. But, mm. like, if they've seen Dumplin' now that's been made into a movie or anything, it's like that. And on Netflix, it's a whole other element of accessibility. And, yeah. And this is like, yeah. this is our story. Like the, the humour and everything. I mean, this is why all three of us love Aussie YA. Because, yeah. because it's, it's so us. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would, I would definitely would bill it as for fans of Dumplin'. So if you do like Dumplin', check out what I like about me. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully down the track we get a Netflix adaptation of what I like about me as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, that's that the dream. Let's, yeah, let's put that out, out there. <laughs> Call me Netflix. Yeah. Um, can I cameo? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, I love that about Dumplin' that Julie Murphy is like in the last I love few when, scenes. I and, love when they do oh, that with so clever anyway yeah, with, um, Jenny Han was in to all the boys I've loved before as well which was cute yeah. I know yeah. even even like throwback when like Stephanie Meyer was like in Twilight like I just <laughs> love when they do that like yeah so good. It's, it's a nice easter egg for fans of the books it is yeah. yeah actually we were just talking about Dirty John before as well and um the way that it ends I was telling Caitlin about you know the podcast and stuff but the way it ends is with her calling, the, calling journalist. the journalist back and being like you called me um I think I want to tell this story and I was like that's so cool because it's yeah. like how it all starts and ends it's so clever so um anyway back to body image um <laughs> we said we tend to get sidetracked on this podcast a lot <laughs> um so obviously like you said body image being a plus size protagonist is a really important part of Maisie's story how has your relationship with your body um, like influenced your life over the years and I guess changed as you've grown? Yeah, and influenced writing this story. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's been a journey for me. I, I think I'm still a work in progress and, um, you know, there, everyone has good days and bad days. It's like I, I say in the book, you know, that hopefully I just have more good days than bad days. Um, yeah, I think I'm definitely like for me, I'm definitely in a better place than I was like a few years ago in terms of how I feel about my own body. And I think actually writing the book definitely helped that, which is interesting. I, I channeled a lot of my own insecurities or my own feelings about um, the way the world treats fat people um, into what I like about me. But I also, it was, so it was quite cathartic. And I, but I also, I think by giving Maisie like quite a positive story, and um, like a lot of reasons to like herself, it made me reconsider um, how I felt about myself and think, well, if you're going to give this for, to a character, why aren't you giving it to yourself? So I definitely, um, through the writing process and since then, have gone through um, like just, I guess, more of a mental journey of trying to reconsider the way I, the ways I speak to myself and, and when I look in the mirror, what am I looking at, the, that, the things I don't like or 
trying to look for the things I do like. So it's actually, you know, and, and, and even when I, I got author photos taken, and I remember I, as soon as I saw them, I was like, oh, no, I, you know, I don't really like them. And I was talking to my agent, Danielle Binks, and she was like, well, you know, what would Maisie say? Oh, <laughs> um, yes, I love so, And I was like, it's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think I, I like, I, I owe it to Maisie to, uh, to try and like myself, um, but also to my, I owe it to myself. Mm. Yeah, I love mm. that. It's kind of like, I mean, it's one of those common sort of like inspirational quote sort of things that you see on Instagram that's like, you know, why do we – you know tear ourselves down but like build our best friends up and things mm. like that it's like treat yourself the you know the way you would you know your best friend or whatever and like like you said about you know if you can give you can give Maisie that confidence like why shouldn't you have it absolutely exactly sometimes I think we could all do with like the queer eye guys just coming in and making yeah. our lives and just like Jonathan in the background like, like just yes, walking honey. behind us. like I yeah. know that's just what I need <laughs> my own Jonathan that would be perfect yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. the thing I love about the queer eye guys is that they look at the individual and they draw out what's strong about that individual that it's not just like a blanket kind of advice or statement yeah they're really yeah. like I think that's why people have responded so well to the show because it's everyone like they, is so individual Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited for season three. Me too. It's so good. So fun. <laughs> um, so it's it's really interesting for me to read this book and, and everyone will have their own opinions, but um and I'm I'm gonna talk about it more when I like write my review of it as well. But um I have had so many body issues myself and I think this was the book that I needed to read as a fat teenager. And I was in such a bad place, but I thought that by losing weight, I'd be happier, I'd be this, I'd be that. And obviously now I I can see that that wasn't right. But like I did lose weight and I was kind of like, oh, why do I still feel like shit? Um, So I think it's really, really great that, you know, teenagers now have movies like Dumplin' and books like Dumplin' and What I Like About Me to kind of, look forward on look forward to um but how important do you think that dialogue is around body image in the media I think it's really important it's interesting because I started my career at girlfriend magazine and that was 10 years ago um who's showing my age um (laughs) and um you know body image was a massive thing for us at the time We, we wrote about it all the time and we had a uh, self-respect campaign that was all about we didn't call it body positivity at the time but it essentially was and um yeah it's I think it's, it's interesting to see that conversation is still going and it's still evolving um I think I am more hopeful there's a lot more spaces online especially now for um people to find each other and connect around these body positive communities which mm-hmm. definitely didn't exist 10 years ago on the, on the flip side, there, there is a lot of, um, you know, more negative influences, I would say, with, uh, like, Instagram and, like, Fitspo and all of that. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, but, yeah, I think it's important to always uh, call out those kind of damaging portrayals that we see in the media. Jamila Jamila is one celebrity that does it really well, I think. She's got that whole I Weigh campaign and she's yeah. always calling out other celebrities, the Kardashians and everything for, like, the damaging body 
um, body image that they reinforce. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I think the more people talk about it, the better. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you've done that yourself in your work at BuzzFeed. Um, I remember especially your takedown, I guess takedown, maybe not the right word, but your review of Insatiable, which was very problematic. Oh, don't even get me started on Insatiable. I was so mad at that show. <laughs> oh my god, I know. Well, like I remember, I remember both of us, Michelle and I, were talking about it, and we both read your piece, and we were both like, <gasps> and just <laughs> never watched. it. Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to watch this crap. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, because it was interesting, and I said this in the review. Um, basically, I I got like a press release essentially about it. And I'm very much like, I don't like to know too much before I watch things. So I just kind of skim read it and I saw mm-hmm. like beauty pageant and um, like fat, I think, and like just a few key words. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is like, um, sounds like Dumplin' it sound- and also sounds like what I like about me. So I was really interested. I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be this really body positive story. So I turned it on and as soon as I started watching it, here comes Debbie Ryan in a fat suit and I was like oh no this is not what I thought it was going to be and it just got worse from there so yeah it was really disheartening and like I would not have watched the whole thing if I wasn't writing about it unfortunately writing about it meant I had to watch the whole thing so I could equivocally say no it's bad from start to end like I was waiting for that aha moment that redeeming moment that that was going to justify all the the fat phobia and all the horrible offensive things that had come before but no that never came which is such a shame isn't it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was really disappointing especially um you know I think Netflix is trying to build themselves as this place that's like slightly more diverse Mm -hmm. um with more telling um, all these different stories yeah a bit more inclusive than most broadcast companies but it was just a slap in the face really yeah yeah I know it's um it's interesting what you said about having to sit through it so that you could say no I have watched it and it's um that's exactly what I used to tell people about the first Fifty Shades movie is that whenever I'd be like (laughs) it's so terrible it's you know the dialogue's awful all this stuff people would be like but have you seen it and I'd be like yes I actually watched. I watched it for the first time last year. I when the third movie oh, yeah. came out, I watched all three in in one day within about twelve wow. hours, and I wrote about it as well. And that was quite yeah, a journey. I, imagine, I haven't seen the other two. I imagine it is a journey. And but like I have to, oh my god! I went and saw it in the cinema with a couple of my friends. I have no idea why we decided to go see it, <laughs> but. Like, I, like we were the only ones laughing like he was like saying people things were and taking like, things seriously because he's like s- supposed to be so serious or like supposed to say something that was like supposed to be really sexy or something and I just burst out laughing because it was, sounded so ridiculous <laughs> yeah they are quite entertaining yeah. I think maybe unintentionally <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe in a different way than that what they're aiming for yeah. um yeah but yeah it's anyway um <laughs> Back to your wonderful book. Um, so the book is set over a hot beach summer Christmas in Australia. Um, so the best summer ever type trope of like 
you know, even in TV shows and movies and stuff where it's like, oh, they come back from summer and they're so hot or like, <laughs> yeah. or the ones about summer where it's like, oh, I fell in love with the summer, you know, all of those transformative tropes. Um, what I like about me both conforms to that and defies it. So how did you, I guess maybe why did you decide to write it over summer and over Christmas and how did you feel about those types of tropes while you were writing the book? Well, I guess because I consume so much uh, teen media yeah. and, you know, I love YA books, I love teen movies, I love teen TV shows and also rom-coms as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, you know, summer looms large in those genres and it's, it, as you say, it's this transformative experience. But I found, by and large, they were all American stories and, um, you know, they, there was, yeah, like summer camp, summer jobs, all these kind of things that, like, are just very American. It's the middle of the year um, and it's just such a different experience to the Australian summer and I felt that I, I, and I could have just missed missed what's out there, but, um, you know, I do read a lot of Aussie YA, so I, I, I felt like there hadn't really been much that was set over the Australian summer and had those very specific touchstones of, not only is it summer, not only are you on break from school, but you've also got Christmas and yeah. New Year's and you've got, you know, one year's ending and a, and a new one's beginning and you've got all the bittersweet, you know, hopes and dreams that go along with that. So it, it feels like it's even more potent to me than it is in the American instances. So I thought that was really ripe for, um, yeah, telling a good story about about the transformative experience but also a really good romance yeah it is a really cute romance it is very cute but yeah I never thought about it that way that our summers you know with all the new year stuff and like even Christmas and seeing your family and all of that like that's not as common in all the American summer thing if anything they never see their families and they're hanging out with their friends all summer and you know in another town or whatever um yeah, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. But, yeah, I also can't think of too many other books or movies or anything like that set in an Australian summer in this in this way. In that context. Yeah, yeah. in this context. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, um, yeah, that was definitely my original intention of writing it. The very first, the germ of the idea was um, taking that classic teen summer story and making it Australian. Yeah, I love that. Yes, um, I do love it. <laughs> we need to we need to talk about the fact that I've never seen Dirty Dancing. I know. I only found out this today, Jenna. I'm so disappointed. What? I know. Michelle. I, so, I know. It's so bad. So disappointed. I can't believe That's okay. in, in all setting you home friendship, this has never come up. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. I did they, have did, to watch it now. I know. Yeah. Did what I like about me make you want to read it? Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, what, yeah, yeah, it did, it did, but I just haven't got around to it. And instead, I watched Ten Things I Hate About You again, which I mean, okay. Well, look, I'll allow that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> like how perfect is that scene where he sings? Oh, I know. Oh, I love you. Well, honestly, one of the best. Yeah, I know. Like, it was only like watching it again now because like we watched it in high school. I've watched it a couple of times since. I really love it. You know, it's funny. Ha ha ha. But then, like the bits that got me this time is when like the teacher is being like oh yeah you like white girls can talk about feminism but like unless you're going to talk about slavery and I was like oh my god like this film was so ahead of its time yeah I just that had all passed me by at first like 
I think they're probably yeah it's quite a progressive movie it's very feminist and forward-thinking yeah and like so it came out in was it 1990 I just 99 yeah I just can't yeah. So I just, yeah, I was like, wow, this is what we're talking about this stuff now. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> I honestly, I honestly think it's the best teen movie of all time. It is yeah. so good. It's amazing. Oh, I really want to rewatch it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's on screen. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you though, Jenna, what's your favorite um, scene or moment in Dirty Dancing? Oh, good question. I think it's, it's definitely, um, the bit where Johnny and baby are in the dance studio and they're just like, I think they've just started hooking up and they're flirting and dancing and they're um, lip syncing to that um, Sylvia song. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They're being really cute. There's that all. I mean, obviously all there's a scene where she goes to him in his room and they start dirty dancing and start taking their clothes off. It's pretty hot. (laughs) I do. Definitely love both those scenes. I think one of my favourite lines in the whole movie, though, is when she's, like, just hanging around and, like, trying to get up to, like, to see all the staff and, like, get to the party and just, like, doing whatever. And then she just gets there and he's, like, looks at her and she's, like, I carried a watermelon. (laughs) (laughs) Iconic. I know that. I love that line. I think of it almost every time I see watermelon. I thought you were going to say like, like, almost every day. No, like every time I see a watermelon or I'll like, you know, like the amount of times I've been grocery shopping with my mother and she'll be like, can you get some watermelon? And I bring it over and I'm like, I carried a watermelon. And like, <laughs> I love it. Oh, oh. So many great lines. Yes, Ooh. there are. <laughs> um, so we mentioned before, obviously you've been at BuzzFeed um, for a few years now you're one of the founding editors which is really really cool um and in that role you've been totally across pop culture um you've written some really cool stuff as well as filling our feeds with our favorite chrises Hansberg, <laughs> Pratt, Pine, all those um Evans. Evans. Evans oh of course yeah um but I guess that there's a lot of criticism like there's a lot of criticism about that sort of journalism and writing um, as being, you know, frivolous or, you know, less important than other things. Or and easy. Or easy, yeah. And I'm just really interested to kind of get your take on it because obviously, like, we have our own views and stuff. Um, but I'm interested to know, like, as someone who's writing that stuff, how you feel about that? Well, yeah. So I've, I've left BuzzFeed now and I'm freelancing, but I'm still covering, um, yeah, pop culture, movies and TV. Mm-hmm. I definitely, it's, it's hard because obviously I am full of self-doubt myself. So I have that voice sometimes that's like, oh, what you do is really frivolous. Like, why are you bothering that kind of thing? But then I get messages from people that say I had a really bad day and that piece that you wrote really brightened it. Or, um, you know, I was doing this um, series of rewatch articles where I was rewatching um, teen movies from the 90s. And I, I was just basically, I was like, great, I get to rewatch these movies I love and write about it and get paid for it. And kind of <laughs> cool. just did it, did it for fun, not really thinking about anything beyond that. And uh, when I announced that I was leaving BuzzFeed, I was like, I, I got so many supportive, nice messages. But one that really stuck out was that um, 
this this woman said that she had been really depressed and and when she read those articles it kind of like it it really helped her and improved her day because it just was something that made her smile even when she was feeling really down and that really affected me because I thought wow okay so what I write does matter and it does actually have an impact on people I might not be out there you know saving lives or curing cancer or anything like that but I think there's something to be said for injecting joy into the world and celebrating things that bring us joy which is what I you know I write about things that I love you know pop culture movies rom-coms marvel movies all those kind of things and I think the world is so stressful and dark and terrifying so much of the time that I think it's important to focus on things that aren't dark and stressful and that you know it's it gives us something to get up in the morning for almost and and to to celebrate we can't I just think it's it's like untenable to be all doom and gloom sometimes and you can care about multiple things you can care about things that are happening in the world and also care about which Chris Hems what Chris Hemsworth is doing that day you know (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and I think you've shown as well with you know insatiable um as an example that you can use entertainment to talk about bigger issues like the way that fat people are portrayed in the media and the way that fat phobia exists so I think you definitely can can use that platform for so many things that yeah Yeah. (laughs) and at the end of the day pop culture is art and it's not necessarily what we would call high art because the you know there's this elitism in art but it it, you know just because something's a commercial success or um a, a blockbuster or whatever it doesn't make it any less of an art form necessarily I think Thor Ragnarok is is such a creative and innovative movie as well as Black Panther you know best Marvel movies they've made (laughs) yeah I think I think you can still have art within a commercial framework and and art at its best reflects life and explores big issues and um you know it it tells us stories about ourselves and and makes us think about ourselves and but it also doesn't have to do that even if it's just entertaining you like that in itself, the human desire to feel joy, there's no shame in that. I don't Absolutely. Think. And is, it's yeah. it's so funny because, like, I think of high art and I'm like, oh, boring. I don't understand most of that stuff. <laughs> Give me pop culture any day. Like, exactly. yeah, yeah, I find so yeah. much more meaning. And honestly, yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is a very broad generalization, but I do think there's an element of misogyny at play when people criticize a lot of pop culture um, because so much of it is it's seen as frivolous or, or silly because a lot of it is what women by and large consume. Mm. Um, and I think it, it just goes back to uh, femininity and women's interests being derided and being um, like less valued. For instance, this is again a very broad generalization, but you just got to look at the way sport and sports coverage is treated compared to entertainment coverage. Oh and, you know, yeah. what, yeah, it's like how is sport any less frivolous? It's a bunch of people running around after a yeah. ball, or a like bunch of people why... sitting around talking about other people running around after a ball. Yeah, I yeah, don't exactly. Get it. But you know, <laughs> sports coverage, sports sports journalism is taken mm. very seriously, um, and because it's a male dominated industry on on every level, whereas um, entertainment is much. You know, I mean, the entertainment industry is still male dominated, but it is. Um, 
it is more feminized, I suppose, than yeah. say the sports industry. And I think I think there's a lot of misogyny at play. It's even interesting, like what just popped into my head was like the side by side of like, yeah, men mostly men usually sitting around talking about people running around after a ball or just running around not even after anything. And then the comparison to people sitting around talking about what everyone is wearing, like on a red carpet or something like those two things seem the same to me really. And at the basis they are the same because they're talking about what other people are doing, but they're viewed so, so differently. Absolutely. And even, you know, fashion, fashion is in itself mm-hmm. an art form and there's nothing fri- frivolous or, or, or silly about talking about a piece of yeah. art. It's actually really interesting. It's making me think, Michelle, we've been discussing a little bit recently about like being basic. And, oh, yeah, and, and guilty pleasures. <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. idea of, you know, yeah, guilty pleasures and like why should we feel guilty? They're so popular and... Mm you know, all these things. I had, this, I had this sort of, not argument, but like this thing with my colleague where she was talking about Married at First Sight and I was like, you told me that I was too smart to watch Love Island UK and you're watching Married at First Sight. Like, yeah, what's really? Difference? Like, what yeah. is the difference? She's like, oh, yeah, but like Married at First Sight's like, yeah, but like Love Island UK is so, so silly. And I'm like, you haven't even watched it. You don't yeah. even know like what you're talking about really and I'll admit I haven't watched Married at First Sight because I really don't think I would like it but I I think actually I was listening to the latest episode of Shameless and they were talking about how reality tv can be a portal to discuss bigger issues so I think that there's something happening with Married at First Sight um and like domestic violence and stuff I think (laughs) I don't watch it I'm just going off their discussion but I know to take Love Island UK as an example, there was a lot of discussion around the character, character, this person, Adam in the house and how he was quite emotionally abusive and mm-hmm. how he was very manipulative and he just moved on from girl to girl to girl um, and a lot of people talking about how that behaviour wasn't appropriate. So I think in the same way people dismiss reality TV as being really frivolous, it probably can be a, a way to discuss bigger issues at definitely. play as well. Definitely. It, it just reminded me of Jenny McAllister, who is also an author, but she's an ac- academic um, and she, she her specialty is love narratives and she watches The Bachelor and, and has done all these academic papers about The Bachelor and what, the, what the, that show and those franchises tell us about how we view love, especially culturally. I know she's um, done a lot on the American Bachelor versus the Australian Bachelor and how they differ in the way that we talk about love. I think it's That's fascinating so and I think... so interesting. You know, wow. Yeah. yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, that is so cool. And you know what? Like I'm, I'm so ready to be in the UK watching Love Island UK at the same time everybody else is <laughs> and obsessing about it. I'm totally going... Because, like, I never got into The Bachelor... Yeah. Even though we would do like bachelor sweeps at work and stuff like that, but I am so ready to be in Love Island. Like. And see, this is exactly the thing. It's like, you know, everyone likes different things, and it's like you have no right to judge someone for watching Married yes. at First Sight when it's so so popular. Mm. Like when you love Love Island exactly. UK, when it's so so popular, yeah. and like I don't generally go for the relationship reality shows, but oh my god, I can't wait for the block to come back. <laughs> You know, like, we yeah, all like have our house thing. rules. I love it. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah no it is it's funny but it, we shouldn't feel shamed about that but we no. do we do yeah. a lot of time just watching my guilty pleasure like no let's just I've stopped yeah I that. don't think I don't like it yeah, I don't think you should feel guilty about things that bring yeah. you pleasure. I'm a very firm believer in not shaming people for what they read or watch. That being said, I do shame my husband for watching Big Bang Theory because <laughs> I hate that show so I'm much. Not a but fan yeah, I I think I have seen every episode of the first eight seasons, but beyond that, I just haven't watched no, it. I don't know. I just don't find it funny. I just don't. Well, it's just, oh, for anymore. me, it's just one of those shows, you know? Yeah. You know, when something just rubs you the yeah. wrong way. Anyway, that, that's totally off topic, but yeah. <laughs> no, it is funny. Like, no, you're allowed that because you're not genuinely shaming him either, I'm sure. It's just like a no. little gentle bullying from partners. <laughs> like a little bit, like, you know, I, I just had a go at Jack last night because we were watching, I think we were watching Dirty John and he just kept asking me these questions. I'm like, the thing that annoys me most about you is that you will not let me watch my show in peace. Like, just Shut watch up. it. Like, okay, like, prime example, we were listening to a podcast about polio. Sounds much – like, sounds more boring than it actually was. It was great. Anyway, at the start of the podcast, he's like, so what's polio again? I was like, if you just listen to it, they'll tell us, actually. He's like, oh, well, <laughs> like, they should be able to do it at the start. I'm like, oh, my God, you're so frustrating. <laughs> But I think everyone has, like, their little, like, things. It's a joke now that, like, he asked me these questions and I'm like, oh, my God, don't ask me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm only watching this for the first time too, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, a lot about your first book, which is it's just on the bookshelves now and hopefully everyone runs out and buys it and reads actually already working on book two how's that going I am it's going it's going well um I pitched it to my publisher last week oh, exciting last week yeah last week I'm 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 trying to I'm losing oh all contact you have had um, such a busy month <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So I pitched I, the pictures with the publisher, and I'm waiting to hear back, and hopefully they like it. But I've written about eighteen thousand words of that, so um, yeah, I'm really excited about it, and I'm just hoping they like it. If not, I'm not sure what they'll do. What I'll do, but um, yeah, it, it's go, it's going good so far. That's good. Can you give us um, like a hint of any of like the themes or anything? Is body image in there again, or is it something new? It's something new. It's a, it's another standalone and it's a bit weird but it's really fun, I hope. And it's still in that rom-com kind of vein. Um but yeah, it's it's more comedy, I suppose, hopefully. <laughs> I love it. No, <laughs> it sounds good already. Yeah, no, I thought what I liked about me was very funny and like hit all the right notes. Um yeah. before like before we end on some a little bit more pop culture chat because we accidentally got sidetracked. Um, I did just want to say there was this wonderful bit that I like, I jotted down some notes and stuff, but um, where I, I think it was where Maisie was talking about how tired she is of always hating on herself. And I just thought that whole scene was articulated so beautifully. And oh, I just hope people read this book and find something that they can learn from I guess like I don't want to be like you should learn from this book but hopefully there is something in there that people will connect with and you know 
gives them some strength to kind of look at their body with kinder eyes, I guess. Mm. Yeah, thank you. I definitely, I mean, first and foremost, I wanted to just write a really good story. Um, but I definitely hope that if people read it and enjoy it, that they can take away from it that they should be kinder to themselves and and look for things they like about themselves instead of the things that they don't like about themselves. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Definitely. Yeah. So let's end on some more pop culture chit-chat. Yes, because <laughs> we would love to know what you thought of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. No spoilers, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I saw that on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I really liked it actually because I read the script when it uh-huh. came out and I was not impressed. <laughs> um, I thought, I was like, this is just like my immortal, you know, that infamous um, Harry Potter fanfic. And I was just, I was just gobsmacked that this was an actual thing. And I remember everyone saying at the time, it's so much more amazing when you see it stage. And I was like, how? How can it be better? Like, how can it be that much better? But it is, everyone was right, it is so much better because it's so magical. Um, you know, just the stagecraft and the the literal magic that they are employing to 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 tell this story is so wonderful. And the performances are really great as well. And a lot of the stuff that annoyed me on the page didn't didn't annoy me as much in the stage show. And also yeah, because you like are watch it, like you're enjoying the, the the spectacle of it all. A lot of the plot holes aren't as glaring. Yeah. You kind of walk out and you're like, well, they're still there. But <laughs> um, yeah, I really do love yeah. it. Yeah, that is that is good to hear. Yes. and I think that that is a really. I think it's interesting that people keep saying that about, especially now that the show's been out for a lot longer and has travelled around and everything like that. That you know. There seems to be a bit less criticism around it, or maybe yeah. I'm just, maybe, maybe we're just I'm accepting it. Out, I don't know, or, or everyone's just accepting it. But maybe we all watch Fantastic well, like, Beasts too, and we're just like, well, this is what oh, we well, get now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I think Fantastic Beasts has eclipsed Cursed Child for the the black sheep of the Harry yeah, Potter family. Actually, <laughs> what do you? What's your take on like? the Fantastic Beasts franchise and where that's going to kind of go now. I have not watched Ooh. them. Um, yeah. I think for me, um, I, I know a lot of people are really into the whole Wizarding World, but for me the appeal of Harry Potter was always those mm. characters um, and their specific relationships with each other, the way they grow up together. Um, so Cursed Child is an extension of that and I would love a prequel about the Marauders, oh, yes. but um, like, I love that I world. Don't know I but the actual world. rolling to write that now, though. I honestly don't. I know, I know. Fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I am really interested in that specific world in terms of the characters, but the wider world doesn't have as much appeal t- to me. So that's why I just I didn't really get around to seeing the first Fantastic Beast when it came out, and I intended to watch it. But then all the stuff with Johnny Depp and all of that yeah. happened. So I, mm. I just, I feel like, I feel like I'm okay with not watching yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I get that. I kind of think if I hadn't by now, I probably would be okay without having watched mm. it. And I really have tried my hardest to view Fantastic Beasts as a separate magical story because you're right, it has nothing to do with the original characters except they, then they tried to make it have something to do with the yeah, original characters and that's tainted it a bit for me. Yeah. I feel like I wish I'd just watched 
the first one because I enjoyed that. Yeah. And I enjoyed the characters. I thought Amy and Tina and Jacob were great. They had wonderful chemistry. Jacob was so cute and funny. And, like, I just wish I had left it at that and yeah. not, like, that was a lovely little vignette. Like, just leave it. Like, and now I just feel really sad that, I know. yeah, it's sort of, and of course, I'm probably going to keep watching it because now I'm curious. But Oh, I know. And now I just want the next movie to redeem itself. We but... we all, like, we went to see it together and we all left the cinema just being like, what did we just watch? Like, and even yeah. Jack and I were talking about this the other day. It's just like, it's just so confusing. Yeah, like, he's like, I still don't get it. Yeah, like, like they packed, it was just like, bam, 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 bam. Mm-hmm. Like, it just did not make sense. And, oh, it was just, it's disappointing when she has fans who love this so so dearly to just start I guess yeah running like a wrecking ball through stuff that is concrete from the first yeah (sighs) it's frustrating anyway I'm glad Cursed Child was amazing (laughs) yes I'm really hoping to get down to Melbourne to see it yeah, you definitely should. Yeah. It's fun. Um, what should we be kind of watching and reading and stuff this year? Is there anything in particular that you're really looking forward to? Looking forward to? Um, I'm really excited about the To All the Boys I've Loved Before yeah. sequel, <laughs> which hopefully is coming this year. Um, and also, obviously, um, Captain Marvel's coming yes. out next month. I'm so excited which I cannot wait for, then Avengers Endgame, then which is going to probably destroy, yeah, then Spider-Man, um, Far From Home. Um, Game of Thrones, obviously the final season. Wow. It's going to be yeah. massive. Um, I, like April is going to be a massive month for nerds like me because it's Game of Thrones and Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah. And what else am I excited about? Um, book-wise, I'm really excited. I love um, Barry McFarlane. Yes. And she, I don't know if yeah, read her, but she's got a new book that's just come out, I think, called Don't You Forget About Me that I can't wait to read. Yes. Um, yeah, who else? Um, I'm excited for Jodie McAllister's um, Miss Rule that's just come out. Um, what else am I? Oh, Kay Kerr, uh, who is a debut author this year in Australia as well. She's got a YA coming out later in the year called, I think it's called Don't Hug Me. Yes, um, is she represented really by important. Danielle as well? Yeah. She is, yeah. So we have the same agent and, um, yeah, that that looks really cute. Um, yeah, that's that's what I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> oh, I really like that. I've actually um, I've started a list because I'm, like, not allowed to buy books at the moment. Uh because we're moving, um, <laughs> but I've already kind of started a bit of a list for myself of books that I know I'll be able to get in the UK, um, <laughs> and Mari McFarlane's definitely on there. And then the other one which I saw Danielle um, review the other day was The Flat Share, which is getting really, really great yeah. reviews and stuff. So I'm kind of like, there are some Australian books I have sort of, I bought one the other day because I know I can't get it over there, but I have yeah. got a bit of a list of things like, I know I can get that internationally. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. We'll probably have to end up doing yes. exchanges and I'll be sending yes. you all these Aussie YA books. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the flat share too. The other movie I'm really excited about is Isn't It Romantic, which comes out on Netflix soon as well with um Rebel Wilson and Liam yes. Hemsworth. That was um, so funny. I'm so glad really Netflix Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, I was kind of surprised because I thought it would get a cinematic yeah. release, but at least it means that we can rewatch it endlessly. Yes, exactly, after I'm sure I'm going to want to because it looks so funny. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it does Jenna, thank you so much for joining us tonight and chatting about some frivolous stuff that's not really frivolous at all. No. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, where can people find you online if they're not already following you? Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Jenna Guillaume, which is G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E. It's the most annoying surname in the world. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> same on Instagram. Search me on Facebook. I'm on there as well. Um, yeah, and same on Tumblr. I, I I just have my name everywhere, so that's pretty handy for hashtag branding. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much, and um, enjoy thank you. the release. <laughs> I will. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Better Words. If you enjoyed it. We'd love it if you left a rating or review on iTunes. It really would mean the world to us. And you can also find us at our website, betterwordspodcast.com and on social media at betterwordspod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Bye. Bye.